<coughs> that is the alarm for those still napping. <laughs> We're now moving from sleepful to wakeful, hopefully. Although some of you will be moving from wakeful to sleepful, we'll see. <laughs> so how was mindful eating? Any, any observations from that? Any comments about actually taking time to slow down and eat? Yes? The food tasted a lot better. The food tasted a lot better. Uh-huh, right. When we're mindful, it actually increases our capacity for enjoyment, for pleasure, because we're present and we're also with our senses. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So staying, so eating with yellow jackets, yeah. So some challenges with staying present, mm-hmm. not eating them. <laughs> yeah, guests at the table. Yes. You stop when you're full. Wow, what a concept. Yeah. The Buddha said you should eat, uh, stop eating five mouthfuls before the stomach is full. Keep a little space in the stomach, whatever that is. Um, basically, it's an instruction to be mindful, not overeat. So great to see. Yeah, when we're slow enough, we can actually, we usually, because it takes a while for the stomach to register and the brain to register the stomach's full. And when we're cramming, we just don't notice it. So we overeat. Yeah, good. Okay, so a couple of readings. One is from Lao Tzu, Taoist philosopher, who wrote the Tao Te Ching. And he writes, well, he actually orally dictated this, so the mythology goes, always we hope someone else has the answer, some other place will be better, some other time it will all turn out. This is it. No one else has the answer, no other place will be better, and it has already turned out. <laughs> At the center of your being, you have the answer. You know who you are. There is no need to run outside for better seeing, nor to peer from a window. Rather, abide at the center of your being, for the more you leave it, the less you learn. Search your heart and see the way to do is to be. So this is a central theme in Chan, Chinese um, Buddhism and poetry. Rather abide at the center of your being, for the more you leave it, the less you learn. This idea that we often seek for wisdom outside of ourselves, right? Seek for answers in books and, and Google and wherever else we get it. And we actually leave ourselves so easily. And so much is to be learned here, right in the center of it all. So the other reading I want to read is from Zen t- another Zen teacher, well, not another, a Zen teacher, Jan Chosen Bays, who's a student of Harada Roshi, great Zen teacher. It's based in LA. And she's writing about the what I think of as a wonderful orientation to life and to practice, which is about choosing what is, being with what is. She says, being with what is, I choose what is. 
If there is cost, I choose to pay. If there is need, I choose to give. If there is pain, I choose to feel. If there is sorrow, I choose to grieve. When burning, I choose heat. When calm, I choose peace. When starving, I choose hunger. When happy, I choose joy. Whom I encounter, I choose to meet. What I shoulder, I choose to bear. When it is my death, I choose to die. Where this takes me, I choose to go. Being with what is, I respond to what is. So, how would that be for your life, Maxim? Being with what is, I choose to be with what is. You know, and at the end, she's pointing to there were not. So, this question came up earlier um, offline, which was uh, this: this often uh, uh, question about um, doing and being, and do we just be, 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 be present, be present, be present, and not act, and not take action, and not engage. And uh, in the context of the, the broader context of Buddhist teaching, wise mindfulness is one aspect of the Eightfold Path. There's eight limbs, eight key pieces the Buddha talked about living our life fully with presence and compassion. And so in that context, wise mindfulness leads to wise understanding which leads to wise uh, intention and wise action. So we don't just—we're not just practicing mindful as an end in itself. We're practicing mindfulness to develop clarity, insight that informs the way we are and the way we act and the way we choose in the world. Does that make sense? It's a really important decision. So we're, but first, but we're very quick to to react to experience rather than respond, and going back to that Viktor Frankl quote, mindfulness gives us the capacity to respond versus react. So we be with our experience, whether it's physical pain, difficult emotions, happiness, sadness, allow that experience to be, and out of that being with comes understanding and comes the ability to make greater choices, greater discernment coming out of that. Is that, are you following me? This is a really key piece that we often can overlook. So another way of putting it, this is from Thich Nhat Hanh, he says, Buddhism is simply a way to live well. Happiness is available, please help yourself. <laughs> so, and that's really true of these teachings, they're very pragmatic, it's not a dogma, it's not a religion, it's not a creed you have to ascribe to. It's saying this is, if you, this is, this is these are some causes of suffering, self-created suffering. These are some causes for contentment, well-being, non-reactivity, letting go, peace, happiness. And you always have a choice in every moment, right? To react, to be with, to be kind, to let go. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we have a choice. But uh, a lot of the time we actually do. And, and through, as we become more mindful, we see we actually have a lot more capacity to discern and, and choose our response to situations. So before we sit, I just wanted to talk about some um, some common themes of um, common visitors in the meditation. 
that you may have noticed already. And the Buddha talked about them as the five hindrances to meditation or to life. Five common mental tendencies. And he also said this line, which I really like a lot. He said, the nature of our mind, the nature of our being is pure and radiant. It's already, you could say, free, already at peace. But that clarity, that purity, is obscured by habits and tendencies of mind, of personality. So it behooves us to get to know what those habits of mind are. Right? As I asked you the question in the beginning, you know, what stops you from being radiantly at peace right now and for the rest of the day and tomorrow and on Monday morning when you clock in, right, what stops you from being at peace? So these mental, emotional tendencies are probably have a lot to do with it. And they're, um, they're both uh, pervasive and deep. And uh, So anybody, any guess what the five are? Five hindrances in meditation? Some of you already know this teaching. Hmm? Judgment. Judgment? That would be a form of aversion. Yes. Attachment. attachment. Yep. Desire, attachment. Wanting things to be a certain way. Anybody want things to be a certain way? And we have some preference about their meditation or their breath or their body or your mind or your neighbor or your partner or... Right? What else? Slothfulness. Slothfulness, sleepiness, dullness, checking out. Yep. Confusion. Confusion. Yeah, it's actually not part of this list, but all of these are an ex- a manifestation of confusion. Yeah. Doubt. Doubt. Yes, doubt. Anybody wondering whether they can do this? Uh, no, this is. A, I don't think this is for me. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too boring. It's too. I'd rather do yoga and have some fun and go to Hawaii and do a yoga retreat. <laughs> it's way more interesting. So there's doubt and there's two more. These are more the two more energetic. No, we've had one already. Sleep, sleepiness. What's the opposite of sleepiness? Restlessness. Restlessness. Right. The agitation. That sense of like just wanting to, like you're itchy or you want to jump out of your skin. You want to run out of the meditation hall. You're just screaming, "Get me out of here! I can't bear another breath!" Like just. It gets like that sometimes. You just it's like it's like when's he gonna ring the bell? And we think happiness is in the bell, right? We think it's very interesting that the whole thing around time. There's like oh, please ring the bell, please ring the bell, and nothing happens. The bell goes no, there's no difference. But there's some whatever mental imposition you placed on yourself is suddenly relaxed, and then you sort of feel okay. So notice that. Notice if you get really tight and tense. Like what's, who's causing the tightness? It's not me. I didn't say get tight. Right? <laughs> but we do, right? We get tense and we get frustrated and we get irritated. And so to notice these tendencies of mind. There's a cartoon. There's a bunch of Zen monks in a row in the meditation hall. One guy's on his cell phone. None of this seems to be doing me what's any good whatsoever. <laughs> Everyone's sitting there. Mm. So... Doubt often has comparing within it. We doubt ourselves. We look around. Everybody else looks like they're Buddhas. They're just sitting so <laughs> peacefully that nobody's having any thoughts and they're just completely concentrated. But we, me, is the only klutz in the room who can't find their breath. So the two 
main tendencies that really not just run in our meditation but in our lives are the force of, as this gentleman said, attachment, wanting, desire, grasping, clinging, craving, thirst, wanting things to be different, wanting things to be a certain way. I, did, I, I need to control and have experience to be how we like it, which is a natural desire. We all want to experience pleasure and not experience pain. It's hardwired into our biology, physiology. But of course, life isn't like that. Life is a mixture of pleasant pleasure, pleasantness and unpleasantness, and neutral. And so what happens when we don't have experiences of pleasure and pleasantness, what do we do? Well, usually the mind starts thinking and planning and scheming and controlling and fixing and trying to hold on to the good stuff, get rid of the difficult stuff, which of course is impossible because seven billion other people are doing the same thing and so we, we get into conflict and wars and all of that. So just to see the tendency of your mind to lean any way outside of the moment, any way that it's leaning towards something different, something better, something deeper, something happier, something wiser, something, you know, we apply this to everything in our life. We apply it to our body. We want a different body, a better body, a different mind, different personality. How many times are you trying to work on your personality and make it better and likable? And, you know, it's, it's, it's relentless. It's relentless. Lily Tomlin said, I always wanted to be somebody, but I should have been more specific. <laughs> So it's n- and it's so that the fundamental view underneath that is it's never enough, right? It's a scar- We live in a scarcity, uh, you know, our brain's somewhat scarcity oriented, our culture scarcity oriented around money, around resources, around everything. So we live this with this sense of deficiency. It's not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not mindful enough. I'm not kind enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not you know fill in the blank, right? Who doesn't have that running on some level? So it moves us into, into holding on to grasping, to resisting what we don't like, which takes us into the second hindrance, aversion, resistance, anger, aggression, fear, anxiety, avoidance, repression. So we either uh, lash out towards something we don't like, a person, someone who's irritating, a politician, a situation, or we avoid, we contract and with, out of fear, or we go unconscious. We repress, we suppress. We can do that in meditation. It's called the, me- the spiritual bypass. I'm just going to meditate my anger away. <laughs> right? It doesn't work. Temporary. You can do a little bit of suppression, can work, but it doesn't, you know, it comes out in other ways. So again, to see. And this is actually a little easy to see because the, when something is unpleasant, it strikes our, it, it grabs our attention more because right? it's, it's unpleasant and so we recoil. Right? So whether it might be physical pain, emotional pain, maybe you're here with some residue of sadness or loneliness or longing or fear or anxiety or you know, a whole host of emotions are not easy to be with. Or life circumstances that you're in are difficult. Relationships, family, finances, work, um, and to see how we recoil or react or we blame, we blame ourselves if something's going wrong. We, we personalize what is universal. So the Buddha talked a lot about 
He said, I teach one thing and one thing only, suffering and the end of suffering. So you want to understand like these hindrances, these, these tenses of mind, how they rob us of being at ease with what's here. So just like that story I talked about in India of, with the hello, hello thing, um, right? it was clear that, that that noise didn't go away for me to be at peace. The problem wasn't in the noise, the problem was in my reactivity. Once I could find peace with the noise, there was peace, whether the noise came or went. At some point it just became an amusing thing. Oh, hello, hello, hello. So there's a Zen saying, do not lean towards or away from anything. So as you're sitting in this afternoon, notice the tendency as you're sitting, noticing the tendency in your mind to that gets reactive, gets aversive, gets resistant, or gets wanting, longing, fantasizing, sexual fantasy, food fantasy, desire, or if I only did brought my cushion, if only these chairs were better, if only, if only, if only I'd had more coffee at lunchtime, I'd be awake now instead of doing the railing wall practice. And to see, oh, it's just a story. This is just a view, a very strong view. If only I had these things, I'd be happy. Well, what about just being with what is? So with the Jen Chosen Bay's reading, I adapt that and saying, you know, if I'm feeling angry, I choose to feel angry. If I'm feeling sad, I choose to feel sad. If I'm feeling bored, I choose to feel bored. If I'm restless, I choose to feel restless. If I'm sleepy, I choose to feel sleepy. Rather than, oh, if, I was, if only I was wakeful, I would be really having a great time, and then fill in the blanks. I'd be that close to enlightenment. <laughs> I just had that one extra cookie, and I blew it. And then we start judging ourselves, and then we get into aversion, aversion, self-hatred, hatred, hatred, pain, 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 not helpful. So the phrase I like to recognize these things is like this. Desire is like this. Longing is like this. Lust is like this. Fear is like this. Sadness is like this. Boredom is like this. Restlessness is like this. And so that phrase, we just meet it. Oh, so we, we, the, the, uh, the initial object might be the breath or sounds or body sensations, but often it's all these other things that come in. So we shift from the breath to, oh, grasping is like this. Longing is like this, and we take a moment to feel it. Feel the longing, feel the contraction, feel the constriction. Aversion to my neighbor's breath is like this. I tighten, my, my, my neck and my shoulders tighten. It's like this. Right? So we're just meeting moment by moment our experience. We may have a, um, a designated uh, focus, like the breath or the body, but then we, sh- then we also be present to other things that are calling our attention, both, the, both sounds or sensations or feelings or thoughts or images, and also our reaction, our relationship to them. So the mantra that I learned year after year during these long meditation retreats was it's not what's happening, but how we relate to it. It's not what's happening, but how we relate to it. Whether your knees burning or the person next to you is snoring, it's not what's happening, it's how I relate to it. So the other day I was went out, I'm a road biker and I have my bike locked to my car outside my house. 
and I went outside and it was gone. And the lock was broken off, it's hacksawed. And I was like, oh, it's not what's happening, it's how I relate to it. <laughs> My bike is gone. That is a drag, and it's expensive. And I don't have insurance for it. That is a drag. But what does it do? Got a new bike. <laughs> a second-hand bike, actually. <laughs> so what, how we meet experience. Sometimes we can meet it with a lot of grace. In that moment, I did. Other times, I haven't been so graceful. I've gotten reactive. You know. Or you got on a plane. I've been flying a lot. And I always seem to attract the young babies, you know. <laughs> Usually behind me. I had one here and two behind me. And, oh, this is going to be a good flight. This is good practice. <laughs> Especially when the, you know, the, the, uh, the air pressure affects their ears and it's painful and they scream. And Okay, so screaming babies is like this. I actually, at th- this point, it happens so frequently, I smile when I, s- when I, I know I'm going to be put next to the family. And I just smile, say, okay, so this is, this is my practice. You know, I'm, you know, using my chair as a little, you know, with their feet, you know. <laughs> you know, and then we don't just, and so it's, we also not, we're not just a doormat. So if, if that's happening, I'll say, do you mind not kicking my chair? It's not like we just have to be with that the whole six-hour flight to <laughs> Dallas, you know. No, you say something, you know, and then you let go because they either respond or they don't, you know. So, um, you know, in life, you know, every one of you has your own specific circumstances that are challenging. Your health issues, mental health issues, emotional challenges, relationship issues, either in relationship, out of relationship, either way it's suffering. Um, (laughs) Can be. Um... You know, because it's always greener, right, somewhere else. Uh, And so the practice is taking, you know, meditation is like a laboratory of mindfulness. We, we, We develop this quality of paying attention, being with our experience, and then that's the meditation. Then we practice it off the cushion. We apply it to when we get home and our partner's mad with us because we were gone all day, or our children are having a tantrum or you know, who knows what we get met with as soon as we leave. Our car has a flat tire or there's traffic or we're late for a meeting or um, who knows. Right? That's the point, is to, is to meet experience with awareness, with kindness, and then we forget. And we, we, we mess up, we space out, we get reactive, and then we remember. Oh God, look at that. I got so, I so lost it with that person. With I was calling United Airlines and I was on hold for half an hour and I just let him have it. Of course, it wasn't their fault, but I let him have it. And then, and then we feel, and when we're aware, we feel, oh, that was really painful to do that to this person. And so next time, we're hopefully a little more mindful. The Dalai Lama said, if you're going to hurt somebody, do it mindfully. <laughs> he did. Because if you're mindful, you feel actually how painful it is and how separating it is. And the next time you do it, you're less likely to do it because you've tracked that experience. And it's really true. The more present we are, when we, when we act out of alignment with our values, with kind, out, of, uh, out of alignment with kindness, we feel it. It hurts both people. And there's more, res- more resolve to not do it again. And of course, we mess up and we forget and we get reactive and we might do it again. But the intention and the orientation is towards more kindness, more care, more presence. 
like so. Okay, so let's do some meditation. So if you will, sit upright. Take a few breaths. So I'm glad we did the standing practice. So if you, if you feel sleepy or you feel like you're going to nod off, just stand up and do the meditation standing up until you feel wakeful enough and then sit back down. Completely appropriate form of meditation to stand. If you're sleepy, you can open your eyes, keep sitting upright, take some deeper breaths. The afternoon is often for many people a little more sluggish. And if you're sleepy, then we meet that with the same quality of presence as everything else. Sleepiness is like this. Fogginess is like this. If we're not attached to being bright, then sleepy is okay. If we're attached to being awake, sleepiness is a problem. See the relationship? So we can be mindful even though we're dull. We can be mindful when we're a little sleepy. And it can be, we can be free of suffering with that. Or we can be fighting and judging ourselves and blaming our body and having suffering. Happiness is available. Please help yourself. Misery is available. Please help yourself. (laughs) But don't. It's a bad idea. But you will. That's okay. And then you start again. (laughs) Okay, so starting... Closing the eyes or having the eyes down. (coughs) Taking a couple of deep breaths, just really filling the body with breath and awareness. And they'll guide us through being aware of, Again, using the breath as the base, but also including body sensations and awareness of emotion. So noticing how the body is as you sit, bringing that quality beginner's mind. How does it feel different than this morning. Meet this moment as if for the first time. Releasing any unnecessary tension, holding in the jaw, the shoulders, belly. Relax face. Noticing the quality of the breath. How is the breath in this moment different than before? Maybe you notice it in a different part of the body.
sustaining the attention for the duration of in-breath, out-breath, pause between breaths. When the attention wanders, noticing where it wanders, and without judgment, letting go of thought, if thought is there, settling about the attention again in the body, in the breath. This meditation also including awareness of your body and sensations in the body. So when strong sensations in the body call the attention, pressure, discomfort, aching, pain, expansion, tingling, giving full awareness to those sensations. Be with them in the same way that you are with the breath curious, permeating the awareness. So right now, take the attention to the strongest place of sensation in the body, often in the buttocks, on the chair, or the knees and feet on the ground. Just permeate awareness, center, periphery, Notice how what we label as something as pain or discomfort is actually made up of a myriad of sensations, constantly changing. Staying present to those sensations or if somewhere else is calling 
the attention, let the awareness move, otherwise come back to the breath. And in the same way, whenever strong sensations arise, let the awareness move there, and then coming back to the breath. with physical sensations, particularly noticing if there's any reactivity, aversion, resistance, fear, grasping. Include that reactivity in your awareness. Notice how it feels in the body. If you notice discomfort and pleasantness in the body, seeing if you can find a place of ease with it prior to the knee jerk reacting to moving. <clears throat> Sometimes breathing into the area of physical discomfort allows some ease. 
at some point it feels too much, then we let the body move, re-establishing stillness. Being mindful if strong emotions come into your awareness, into your body, your mind, happiness, sadness, anger, anxiety, fear. In this practice, we give preference to how these emotions are felt in the body. How do you feel fear? in the belly or the throat? How do you feel sadness in the chest, in the heart? And strong emotions of presence, useful to recognize, to name them. Oh, sadness is like this. Peace is like this. Naming, feeling, sensing where in the body you feel them. Letting go of our thoughts about them. Coming back to the body. Notice how they come and go like waves. When they pass, come back to the breath. 
Noticing how the breath is affected by the strong emotions.
Noticing what's happening in this moment. Noticing your attitude or your way of relating to it.
in the last couple of minutes of the meditation. Letting everything that's gone before, let it go, begin again. No matter how far and wide you've traveled, coming back here, this moment, this breath, this sensation, this feeling, this sound. Being hot is like this. Feeling stuffy is like this. Feeling foggy is like this. <coughs> Craving the bell is like this. When you hear the sound of the bell, simply be mindful of hearing. And after the third bell, bring mindfulness to your movements. Bring mindfulness to opening your eyes and being aware of seeing, including that in your awareness. This is a poem called Mindful from great nature poet Mary Oliver. Every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight, that leaves me in the haystack of light. It was what I was born for, to look, to listen, to lose myself inside this soft world to instruct myself over and over in joy and acclamation. Nor am I talking about the exceptional, the fearful, the extravagant, but of the ordinary, the common, and the very drab, the daily presentations. Oh, good scholar, I say to myself, how can you help but grow wise with such teachings as these? the untrimmable light of the world, the ocean's shine, and the prayers that are made out of grass. Every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight. So when we're present, when we're aware, and we awake to this beautiful, mysterious world that we live in, that is true. It can be true. The poet Kabir said, when the eyes and the ears are awake, even the leaves on the trees read like pages from the scriptures. So everything can be a vehicle, a source, particularly nature, but not just nature, to kindle presence, 
awareness, awakening, clarity, connection, love. So as we do our walking practice this afternoon, have a more open awareness. Yet, So this morning I was really emphasizing mindfulness of the body, really staying in the body. But as we're opening out the field of attention to include all the sensations and breath and feelings, also in be aware of your environment. So be aware of the sounds and the smells and the light and the colors, forms. So we're still staying within our mind-body, but we're just a little more open to the field of experience around us. Similar walking up and down, not going anywhere, just being present to walking, being present to our senses, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching. When the attention wanders off into thought, notice that, come back. If a storm, emotional wave comes up, stop, feel it, carry on. Something beautiful catches your eye or your ear, you want to just drink it in, pause, look at it, feel it, hear it. Continue walking. Yeah. So just a very inclusive, open awareness. And then we'll come back in half an hour for a little more sitting and some questions. I will again stay behind in here if you have questions you want to ask that are burning. Otherwise, they can wait for after the walking. Okay, thank you. Enjoy your walking. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.